Part of living a wise life and creating a life that works involves paying proper attention to your future. This week, we'll be looking at four things to help us prepare for a functional future. This message is the 10th in the series, A Life That Works. The message is entitled, Preparing for the Future. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Amen. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we get ready to study God's Word this weekend. I want you to give a good welcome this morning to all of our other campuses, all the folks in Frederick and Clarksburg, universities at Shady Grove. Give them a good warm welcome this morning. And all you folks, welcome our Gaithersburg campus, if you will, as we get ready to study God's Word. We've been involved in a series called A Life That Works, and this is the last message in the series. I will do a special message next weekend, and then following that, uh, throughout the summer, we're going to do a topical study out of the book of James. And so you don't want to miss the book of James as we go through that book this summer together on weekends and talking about the real deal faith, what it means to have the real kind of faith for your life. But today I want to talk about preparing for the future as we wrap up this series, A Life That Works. This series was prompted by uh, thoughts about questions that have been asked me over the years. Pastor, how do I make my life work? How do I make my marriage work? And how do I just simply make things work God's way? And so I, I thought about that question and all the different things that really relate to the answer to that. And I've been trying to provide for you some of the basic principles that makes life work. One of those involves preparing for your future. To make your life work, you have to build your life on a solid foundation. There's no house that will stand unless the foundation is strong, right? You can't build a house unless the foundation is sure. And to have the right kind of foundation, you must build it upon God and upon God's Word. You can't build on anything less and expect something to stand. Because God knows how life works best. And until you acknowledge and accept the fact that God knows how to build your life the best way and begin to live His way, you're never going to find life to its fullest. In fact, in, in Psalm chapter 111, verse number 10, we're introduced to this concept of building our life the right way based upon God's wisdom. And I'm going to ask you to read it together. All of our campuses, Psalm 111, verse number 10 from the NIV. And let's read it, all of our campuses, aloud and loudly together as we proclaim God's Word. Here we go. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow His precepts have good understanding. To Him belongs eternal praise. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's where all wisdom starts. Until you and I have a fear of God, I'm going to explain that for you in a moment, we're never going to behave wisely. And in fact, when people or societies lose their fear of God, they always make foolish decisions. I'll say that again. When individual people or societies lose their fear of God, they make foolish decisions. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What does it mean to fear God? To fear God means that you acknowledge Him as God and that you honor Him as God by living in obedience to His Word. It's not simply a matter of choosing what you want to do with your life yourself, but it's a matter of going to God and to His Word and to His precepts. In fact, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and all who follow His precepts have good understanding. It's realizing that God is God and worthy of of our respect and worthy of our honor and worthy, most importantly, of our obedience, that God needs to be in charge of your life. God needs to be the boss of your life. 
this uh, week, this past week, uh, my three granddaughters from uh, Oklahoma came to visit. And so all week long, I've had uh, five grandchildren in my house, okay? Quite interesting. I love to listen in as a grandfather to some of their conversations from time to time. And, and part of what I've heard this week when they're playing together, because they range in ages from three to eight years of age, and so they have all these different things they're going through and playing together. One of the things that I heard regularly coming from one, especially the younger ones to the older ones, is, you're not the boss of me. You've heard that before, haven't you? You're not the boss of me. And yet, as I was thinking about that, how often we live our lives the same way, and to God, by the way that we live, we say to Him, you're, you're not the boss of me, I'm the boss of myself, and what you need to understand if your life is going to work, God needs to be the boss of you. He needs to be the boss of your life. He needs to be the one that you look to and listen to. And so when you and I begin to obey his law and fear him and follow his precepts, that's just the beginning point of wisdom. That's when you start making better decisions with your life. And one of those better decisions is to actually prepare yourself for the future. Because Lord willing, all of us here today have a future. If it's simply the next few hours or the next few days or the next few years or the next few decades, Lord willing, you have a future. That today is getting you ready for what will come in the days ahead, and so you need to be prepared. And wisdom is all about getting ready, not just for today, but living today in a way that will have me ready for the future. So what I want to share with you this, this morning are four things that will help us to actually prepare ourselves wisely in the fear of God for our future. The first thing that's necessary, if you're going to be well prepared for your future, is you must trade up your plans for for God's plans. You must come to the place in life where you're willing to lay your plans down and embrace the plans of God and say, God, I really do believe that your plans are better than, higher than my plans because I believe that you're better, better able to determine what is best for my life than I am myself. And I promise you, based upon personal experience and based upon primarily the study of God's Word and the authority of God's Word. Whatever God plans for your life will always be better than what you will plan for your life. You will always plan inferior to God because God created you and God gives you purpose and created all your uniquenesses. He knows the, 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 the specific aspects of your life where you will do best and God designed you for a good future, but you have to give up your plans to be able to embrace God's plans. You cannot have your plans and God's plans at the same time. You cannot serve, as the Bible says, two masters. You can only serve one master. And so you must come to the place where you say, God, I am willing to lay down what I want for my life, and I'm willing to embrace what you have for my life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know it well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That is how you view life. In all your ways, submit to or obey Him, and He will make your path straight. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, for my thoughts are are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, just because you think something is right doesn't make it right. Just because society says something is right doesn't make it right. Because God's view is always better than our view. God's ways are always higher than our ways. And so although 
we might say this is good or this is right, or society around us may say this is good or this is right and this is okay. Our final authority is not in ourselves and our final authority is not in the society around us. Our final authority is in God's Word. His ways are higher than our ways. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Notice that God has a set of plans for your life. Isn't that incredible? Specifically for you, God has a set of plans for your life. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Notice the plan, the end result of the plan. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and the future. Would you agree with me that trading up is a good thing? Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, living, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. That is, don't let the world tell you what is right or wrong. Don't let the world shape you into its mold. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is where you think, how you think, what what you think about, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. God's will is always good, it is always pleasing, and it is always perfect. First Corinthians 2 verse 9, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no mind, human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. The best thing that you will ever do with your life is to fall in love with God. There's nothing greater you will ever do with your life because the Bible says to those that love Him, and how do you know if you love Him? The Bible says you know if you love God by keeping His commandments. That's how you show that you love God. But when you love God, God says you can't even imagine all the good things I have prepared for you. Let me share with you some things that are necessary if you want to trade up from your plans to God's plans. In fact, why don't we all read these together? There's six statements here, and these are all very important, all the campuses. Let's read them. Here we go. Number one, you have to invite Jesus Christ into your life. That's where it all begins. You can't know God without knowing His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way you get to know God. There are not many avenues to God. There is one way to God. Jesus is that way. And so you invite Him into your life. Number two, read with me. Give God permission to direct your life. God will never invade your life uh, uh, unless you invite Him in. You have to say, I want you, God, in my life. I want your plans. Number three, read with me, exchange anxiety about the future with trust in God. God, because I've now accepted your Son, Jesus Christ, I've asked you to take charge of my life. I'm no longer going to spend my time and energy worrying about my future. My trust is in you. Number four, stay connected with your Creator. Just because you're on the right path today does not mean you'll be on the right path tomorrow. It is an ongoing lifestyle that you must live in connection with your Creator. Number five, begin obeying the instructions in the Bible. Let the Bible be the guide of your life, not society, not the world around you, but let the Bible be the guide for your life. And then number six, believe that your life has a divine purpose. Trade up your plans for God's plans. Number two, never lose sight 
of eternity. You want to be well prepared for the future? Here's a statement of wisdom for you. Never lose sight of eternity. The best way to make a decision is to start with the end in mind. If you, if you know where you want to arrive, then you can plot the pathway there. If you're a wise person, you never start on a journey without knowing where you're going. It would be silly to say, let's go on a trip. Well, where are we going? I don't know. Let's just go on a trip. And there are a lot of people actually living their lives that way. They have no clue as to where they're going. They're not thinking about the end result or the destination. But wise people think about where am I going to end up? Where is this path that I'm on? Where is it going to take me? What choices will I make? What roads must I take to get where I need to arrive? And your ultimate destination for every human being, every person here, your ultimate destination is not in this life, it is in eternity. I must remind you today that this life is not all there is. God's plan for you is not, does not stop when you take your final breath. God has a plan for you that goes beyond this life into the next life, but you need to be prepared for that eternity and to make the choices now that will get you where you need to be for your eternal destiny. And so when you begin to plan your future now with eternity in mind, it changes everything. The whole game changes when you're thinking about not just this life, but how do I live today that will set me up properly for eternity? Because I promise you, no matter how long you may live in this life, you may live to be 120 years of age here, but that's very short compared to eternity. Eternity is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And if you only live for the period of time that you have here on earth, you are foolish. Because this life is very short. It is like a breath. It is like a moment. It comes and it goes. As I've mentioned before, how many of you were 20 just yesterday? Okay. It feels that way, doesn't it? But in reality, it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 40 years ago. And so you have to realize this life goes very, very quickly. And this, is, this, is, this wisdom allows you to prepare for something that is beyond this world, beyond this life. It changes everything. So you have to start asking some questions today. Are the things that God says are important for eternity are they important to me? Have I, start, have I started embracing eternal things as being important in my life? You must ask yourself a question like this. Well, if I continue to live the way I'm living right now and I get to my last breath and I know that life is over, what will I regret most about the way that I've lived my life? And what will I regret especially as I look forward to eternity? And what can I change now that will remove the regrets of my life at the end of my life in preparation for eternity? It's asking yourself a question like this. What do I want to hear God say to me when I go into eternity? Because I promise you, as the Bible is very clear about, this is important to announce to all of us and remind you of today, that every person here, you have an appointment time with Almighty God. 
There will be a day that you will stand and give an account of your life, as will I, before Almighty God, and He will ask of us how we lived our life and review our life with us. It's called that judgment that we stand before God with, and we will get some kind of rendering from the Almighty Judge as to how we have lived our life. What do you want to hear on that day? I tell you what I want to hear on that day. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But dear one, listen today. You're not going to hear well done if you have not done well. And so you've got to look at your life now and say, how am I living right now that will ensure that I will hear the words well done when I stand before Almighty God. So preparing for the future is not just about your finances right now and your life right now. It's beyond this life to eternity. Matthew 25, 31 through 33. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. So it's talking about when Jesus comes back again. He's going to sit on His glorious throne. All the nations, I want you to pay close attention to this. This is the Word of God. These are the words of Jesus. All the nations will be gathered before Him. That's before Christ. And He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. That is, there will come a time when Jesus will say, okay, you're a sheep, you're a goat. Now, by the way, if you don't know the difference, you want to be the sheep. All you need to do is hang around a farm for a little while. You'll notice a number of things about goats that are not very attractive. And the world will come to an end and you'll stand before God And his opinion of your life is what matters most. Not the opinion of your peers, not the opinion of the world around you. What opinion opinion will matter most is God's opinion of your life. John chapter 6, verse 27. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to what? Eternal life. Don't work for the stuff that just lasts for the day and is going to spoil, but work for food that, in, that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on Him God the Father has placed His seal of approval. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, talking about the folks who have gone before us to heaven, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with endurance or perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, of faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What is that verse, or those verses teaching us? It's telling us this, live your life right now, getting rid of every sin and every hindrance that's holding you back in your race with your eyes on the eternal Jesus, prepare for the day that you will stand before him. Never lose sight of eternity. It's the best way to prepare for your future. Number three, the third thing is pay attention to who you're becoming, to what you're doing. Pay attention. Say those words with me. Pay attention. From time to time, as uh, most of us married couples understand, when you're driving, 
uh, down the highway somewhere. You can get preoccupied as a driver, and I've had this happen to me a number of times, and I'm just thinking about something or chatting with my wife about something, and before long, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to veer out of my lane into the other lane. Anybody ever had that happen before? Because you're not paying attention. And my wife says, honey, pay attention. Honey, pay attention. Sometimes it's a bit more firm than that, okay? Honey, pay attention. Those words have saved my life and her life a number of times. Two simple words, pay attention. Because when you lose attention to things that are important, you get into trouble. You veer in a bad direction. And I want to encourage you today to pay attention to two dimensions of your life right now. Before I talk about these two dimensions, let me backtrack just for a moment and give you a setting for the two things I want to talk about. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, Christ comes to live inside of you by the Holy Spirit. Being a Christian is not just a mental statement or, or a verbal statement or a mental thought that you have, oh, I think I'll just say I'm a Christian. No, I'm a Christian because... My parents were a Christian. No, being a Christian is, is an event that happens in your life. You become a Christian. You become a Christian by accepting Jesus into your heart. If you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, that's how you become a Christian. We use phrases like getting saved or being born again. All those mean the same thing. You're inviting Christ into your life, but it is a decision. It's not just an environment that you live in. It is a decision that you make. So for each one of you, the first starting point, as I mentioned a moment ago, is you've got to make the decision to invite Jesus Christ into your life and say, Jesus, now I receive you as Lord and Savior. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Now I want to live under your authority. That's what it means to make him the Lord of your life. He now becomes the boss of you. Now, when Jesus becomes the boss of you, that means this. It means some things in your life need to start changing. Pretty quiet here. And there are two dimensions of life that need to change when you say you know Jesus. One is your attitude or your attitudes. Number two would be your behavior or your actions. If I'm saying that I'm following Jesus, would you agree with me that progressively I need to have more of the same attitudes Jesus had reflected in me, right? If I say that I'm a follower of Jesus, but my attitudes don't reflect Jesus' attitudes, am I really a follower of Jesus? No. I might say that I am, but if my attitudes don't reflect His attitudes, then I'm not really following Him. Also as well, if I say I'm a follower of Jesus, but my behavior doesn't change, if I'm still living like the world who doesn't know Jesus, if I'm not living in a different lifestyle in the way that pleases God, then again, I might say I'm a follower of Jesus, but my behavior is saying something different. And so what I want in my life and what I pray for in all of us as a church family is that we would be growing so that our attitudes would more effectively reflect Jesus and our behavior would more appropriately reflect what God wants from us. Amen? That doesn't mean that we're there yet. 
but it does mean this, I'm not where I used to be, amen? I'm not where I'm going to be, but I'm not where I used to be because I'm on this journey with Jesus where my attitudes are changing and my behavior is changing so that I'm coming more under the authority of Christ and His kingdom is ruling me more deeply than ever before because God cares about you on the inside and the outside and He wants to make you more like Jesus. Through your unique personality, He wants to make you more like Jesus. And so can I ask you, are your attitudes changing? Are your actions changing? Are you reflecting the kind of choices that relate to Jesus being Lord of your life? Are you concerned about who you're becoming and what you're doing with your life? Proverbs 10 verse 4, lazy hands. The Bible says make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. The Bible says you've got to put some energy in this thing. Don't be passive. Luke 14, 28, suppose one, who, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Jesus is talking there about making an investment and the changes that are necessary for your life. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4, by wisdom a house is built. Through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. So the more you're growing in wisdom and knowledge, the more changes will be in your life. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Why don't we read this one together aloud and loudly, all campuses. Here we go. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. So be very careful. Pay attention to how you live. Address your attitudes and grow your character and develop spiritual discipline in your life. Do your best with the responsibilities that God has given you. Make sure, as we talked about last weekend, that you're creating appropriately appropriate margin for your life today and for the future. Form habits and enhance your life. Make choices today about who I am becoming and what I'm doing that will prepare me for the person that God wants me to be in life today and in the days to come. Fourth and final thing to get ready for your future is to live patiently. This is a tough one. Live patiently. Impatience will destroy your future. I want to say that again. Impatience will destroy your future. I'll show you why. Because when you are impatient about something in life, especially about significant decisions with your life, what you do is you let your impatience drive you to doing things that oftentimes are unwise. There are many of you here today in all of our campuses, you could say, you know what? There was a time in my life when I made a decision because I wasn't willing to wait. And now I look back on that decision and realize my impatience got me into some trouble. Anybody want to say just a little amen on that? Okay. I messed up a part of my future I had to suffer some in my future because of a decision I made based in some impatience. Had I been willing to wait a little longer or to be a bit more patient waiting upon God, I may have missed some pain that was in my life in the future by the decision I made driven by impatience. And so what I want to encourage you to do today is to learn to be patient, to learn to wait upon God, because when you wait upon God, God's timing is always the best timing. 
Not only is God's will the best for your life, but His timing is the best for your life as well. And don't get impatient. Why don't you turn to that person beside you and just remind them, don't get impatient. Just remind them, don't get impatient. Because when you live patiently, you're able to make better decisions. Things aren't pushing you. Have you noticed that when you go to buy a car, the salesman wants you to sign the paper when? Now. They don't want you to go home and think about it. They don't want you to go home and pray about it. They want you to sign the paper now. Why? Because they got you for 72 months. That one little decision, because the beauty of that vehicle, and just the attraction of it there in the moment. Oh, I got to have it. Oh, I got to have that. I got to have it now. And you sign up. And for 72 months, you're... The point being is that oftentimes you're driven by things in the present that you would do better off waiting for God's, God's will to be done in His timing. Let's take a look at some verses here as we're getting ready to wrap up this weekend. Hebrews 6, verse 12. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience... Read the last phrase with me. Inherit what has been promised. God has promises for your life. Do you believe that today? Come on, folks, tell me. Do you believe that today? God has promises for your life. Now, what you want to do, you want to inherit, take hold of the promise that God has for you, right? So how do you get to the promise God has for you, well, first of all, the Bible says don't be lazy, okay? If you're lazy, you're not going to get to that promise because part of getting to the promise involves your effort in the process. So you've got to put something in, as we talked about a moment ago. But there are also two other things the Bible says you have to add to the equation if you're going to get to the promise God has for you. And the prom- what you have to add to it as well is faith and Patience, so don't be lazy, that is be industrious, engage with your life, diligent with your life, and engage with faith and also with patience. Now, you know what? You can have faith and not have patience, and you'll miss still the promise of God. There are people that have faith for things, have strong faith, but they don't have patience. And because they don't add the patience to their faith, they miss out on what is promised. So the equation only works if you have the diligence and the faith and the patience. Notice Revelation chapter 3, verse, tw- verse 10. Because you kept my word in passionate patience, I'll keep you safe in the time of testing that will be here soon. And all over the earth, every man, woman, and child put to the test. I want to talk about this just for just for a few moments as we're wrapping up today. I uh, I'm not a doom and gloom pastor. I'm not a pastor that preaches a lot about uh, last days. I do believe that Jesus Christ is coming back again. I believe it's very clear in Scripture that Jesus. There's no doubt about it in Scripture that Jesus said, "I'm coming back again." There's no question. So. You must understand that Jesus Christ is going to return one day. When is Jesus coming back? I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but listen closely to me. 
as much as I'm, I've been a Bible teacher for 35 years or longer, probably a little longer than that. And as a Bible teacher for that many years, I can tell you this, that what we're seeing happening in our world today is lining up much more rapidly than I would have ever imagined for the potential of Jesus Christ coming back very soon. Now, I don't say that to scare you. I don't say that to frighten you. I tell you, based upon my conscientious study of God's Word, I can tell you that certain things that are happening in the culture and in the world around us are lining up very clearly for the potential of Jesus Christ coming back again. I don't know what time that's going to be, but I can tell you this. I believe we're in the fourth quarter. And in the fourth quarter, you must understand something. It's not going to be easy to be a Christian in the fourth quarter. Did you hear what I said? If you think that you can sort of be sort of noncommittal in your relationship with Christ and make it through the fourth quarter, I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to make it through the fourth quarter of this time and age in which we live without a deep, solid, absolute, total commitment to Jesus Christ. There has to be something inside of you that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. There has to be something in you that says, you know what? I am in this until the game is over. Amen? Now, you got to get this because I, I'm trying to warn you today. I'm trying to remind you I'm a Bible teacher. I'm not a politician. I'm not an orator. I'm not a historian. I'm a Bible teacher. I've been teaching it for a long time. And I'm telling you, we are in the fourth quarter, and Jesus Christ is coming back soon. There is an imminent return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When is it, Pastor? I don't know when it is, but I'll tell you, you need to be prepared for His coming. That means you need to have a solid, deep commitment to your relationship with Jesus. Christ and come whatever may come you say I am standing for Christ no matter what the world does around me my stand is on the solid rock of Jesus Christ there has to be that deeply in you and understand it is not going to be easy it already is becoming progressively difficult to hold to biblical values and biblical lifestyles and biblical commitment in the world in which we live. And it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder until Jesus Christ comes back again. That's why your commitment needs to be firmer than it's ever been before. Are you with me? You may not like what I'm saying. I don't really care. Because I'm here to tell you the truth, okay? I love you enough to tell you what I'm telling you right now, because I want you to make it, and I'm as serious as I can be right now. I've never been more serious than I am standing where I'm at right now. I've never felt more prophetic than I feel right now, that I'm giving you, as your pastor, a warning, we're in the fourth quarter, you better be prepared to stand for Jesus, solidly. And in this time that we're in, in this fourth quarter, you're going to be tested. Your faith is going to be tested. Oh, don't scare us, Pastor. I'm not scaring. I'm preaching you the Bible. Just be aware. 
You're going to be tested. You're going to be tested in your faith. You're going to be tested in your biblical convictions. You're going to be tested about stuff in your life. And there has to be something solid in you to stand firm in this day and in this age. Now let's go back to Revelation chapter 3, verse number 10. The book of Revelation is all about end times, correct? Listen to what it says. Because you have kept my word. Notice that. Because you have kept my word word. You didn't compromise my word because you have, come on church, help me, because you have, come on church, help me, because you have kept my word, how? In passionate patience. God says, because you kept my word in passionate patience, here's what God says he will do for you when you do that. He says, I'll keep you safe in the time of testing that will be here soon and all over the earth, every man, woman, and child put to the test. So would you agree with me? We better be keeping the word with passionate patience. Amen? And here's how you can do it. I'm going to end with this. Because we know, no matter how tough it gets, how hard it gets, we already know the end of the story. In the end, we win, okay? See, if you're down in the fourth quarter, and it looks like you're not going to win, and the score is against you, but if you've already seen the game film ahead of time, and you know that you win in the end, you're not going to get all impatient and freaked out because you're down in the early part of the first or the fourth quarter. You're going to say, you know what? It looks a little tough right now, but I've already seen the game film. I know that we win when it's all over with, that Christ is going to come victoriously. We'll spend eternity with Him. So I'm going to keep His Word with passionate patience. Amen? And that's the best way to be prepared for your future. How do you, how do you make life work? You make life work by being a person that says, I, I, I'm going to trade up my plans for God's plans. I'm going to make the decision with my life to live for eternity. It's not about now. I'm going to do my best to be everything God wants me to be in my attitudes and in my actions now. And as I do that, I'm going to live patiently with a view that Jesus Christ is coming back again. And when it looks like it's down, I'm going to remember that in the end, we win. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to our hearts today. We ask you'll take this word and apply it deeply in us. By the power of your Holy Spirit, let us live it out, we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. 
Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.